Your reality is spiritual. His truth is His truth. And if we can align with God's reality, we will finally be living by reality. Happy Easter. <laughs> so I, I just have to start this morning with this um, little story. It's been a while since I've picked on my wife, and this just fits so well for Easter. <laughs> you can't let that go too long. You have to show your love. Um, and so she has this extraordinary kind of love um, for everybody, but maybe especially for kids. Um, and she's a room parent for Jonah's classroom, and she's, they had this testing wing, right? And she's, she's over the top. She's extravagant. Like every day had these things planned, gifts, bags, and I don't even know. Every once in a while I would look over her shoulder like, what are you doing now? And every day of testing had extravagance. And then at the end of the testing week, there was a field trip. And of course, she loves being with the kids. So she volunteered to be a driver for the, the field trip. And a little boy in the back seat, you know what I'm telling now. <laughs> little boy in the back seat as she's driving says, um, like he's figured out the mystery of this extravagance. He's figured it out. And he says, you know, it's pretty obvious you like us. And I, I really think, <laughs> I just, I had to tell that this morning because I think that's what Easter is all about. Like if there's ever, if there's ever anything, interaction that God had on our behalf, like from, from Friday to Sunday, you have to just kind of go, you know, it's pretty obvious you like me <laughs> to go through all of that. And uh, so that's what we celebrate this morning, Resurrection One, right? And we're going to talk about that. Um, I know I'm, I'm just supposed to read the narrative of, of um, the resurrection morning. We're going to do it a little different, but we are going to talk about um, resurrection power in our lives. What does it mean that resurrection won? Does that sound good? Okay. Um, and I'm going to start in the strangest place. You're just going to have to let me. And this is for somebody. I don't know why, but this is maybe even just for one person. I know I'm supposed to do this. Um, we're going to look at an Old Testament prophecy, a shadow or an image of what Jesus was, first of all, what Jesus was going to do and is now accomplished for us. And also, do you know, we say this all the time here, we are the body of Christ, so we carry on his ministry, right? He, he gave us this, the same spirit, what does it say? The same spirit that rose Christ from the dead dwells in you. Amen? That's good news. So we carry the ministry, not only, not only the same ministry, but in the same power. In fact, he said, um, what I do, you'll do greater. Is that what it says? That's the truth, right? Okay, if you want to start turning, go to 2 Kings um, chapter 10 and verse 23. Now, I'm just going to tell you, recently I had... Um, um, one of those encounter moments over the Word of God. Hopefully, y'all know what I'm talking about, where you just know that God has dropped in to visit with you over the Scripture. And um, I had someone leading, and they were putting out phrases of Scripture, just parts of Scriptures or whole Scriptures that you were supposed to just let the Holy Spirit make one pop out at you and then meditate on that and let him speak through it. And um, I got tricked, which God usually has to trick me because I kind of struggle with him a lot through my life. And um, the phrase that came out was, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Now, without thinking too much, um, I began to just make that the cry of my heart, into your hands I commit my spirit. It didn't occur to me readily right at first that I was... I know it should. I mean, um, if I had a clue, it would. But it didn't occur to me that those were the words right before he took his last breath, right? Right before he went, he carried all death, all darkness to hell for us. Okay, so I told you to go to 2 Kings. Now keep that in your mind. Now look at that. Look at, listen to this phrase, into your hands, he says, you, do you know that anywhere in the Bible when you see the phrase into your hands, it's code for taking, taking things and bringing them to the place of victory. 
You know that. God would say, I'm delivering them, you know, go up, do it like this, be obedient to me. And he would say, um, he would say, I will give them into your hands, right? I will take what's contrary to me and bring it into a place of victory. That's what that phrase always denotes. And isn't it interesting that Jesus says, I, he says to his father, I put my spirit. Now, this is Jesus, the sinless one, very God who created everything. Jesus says to his father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. Okay, Second Kings. Now, um, I'm going to set this one up. This is, because I, I really do mean this to be quick. God's given me a lot to say this morning. I know you have families to get to and stuff. So, um, Jehu is king. And he's, they have a real problem with Baal worship, the, God, the false god Baal. Okay, and I'm just going to tell you very quickly. We could teach on this, but we're not going to. Baal is basically the catch-all god of their time. He's, he's the worship of anything that is not the true God. It's, it's the uh, de- putting your dependence in anything except what can really provide and love and supply for us, anything but God. That's Baal. So he cooks up this plan and he tricks all the prophets of Baal into coming and he's saying, come on, we're going to do this great thing. And he says, gather all the leaders, all the priests, um, of Baal and bring them into the temple of Baal. And he says, make sure that there are none of the lords of, of, the, one, of the other God, the one true God, none of those ministers in there. And it's just um, the priests of Baal. In other words, he rounds up. Jehu um, rounds up all the leaders of everything that's contrary to God. Okay, and then we'll just start reading here in verse 23. It says, Then Jehu and Jehanadab, the son of Rechab, went into the temple of Baal and said to the worshipers of Baal, Search and see that no servants of the Lord are here with you, but only the worshipers of Baal. It says, So they went in to offer sacrifices and burnt offerings. Now Jehu appointed for himself 80 men of the outside, and hence said, now listen to what he says. He appoints 80 men that are not, that are servants of the Lord. And he says, if any of the men whom I have brought into your hands escapes, whoever lets him escape, it shall be his life for the life of the other. Now they're going to tell you something. There's something very prophetic here, okay? All the evil's been rounded up and brought in here. And those that serve the Lord are given the, opportun- um, given the responsibility, I mean to say, to make sure that no evil escapes. In fact, to the point that, that the king, the righteous king who wants to eradicate evil, says, if you let evil escape, then it'll be your life in place of it. And then, and then all of the prophets of Baal are slaughtered. Hopefully, you're already seeing how this is prophetic of Jesus. Um, how many of you are glad that he let no darkness, no death escaped? <laughs> okay, when he accomplished what he did on the cross, this is prophetic of him. He, he let nothing escape. Now, I understand we're still working it out in our lives, and we're going to talk about that. Um, in fact, um, go ahead and start turning to John chapter 6 if you're a page turner. And I just want to say, do you know, we look at that in terms of a picture of community, but do you know that's a picture of yourself? Do you know that as a child of God, as a prophet, priest, and king for the one king, the one prophet, and the one priest, you're responsible for your worship, right? He's charged you not only with um, the responsibility, but the authority. He said, I'm going to give you the authority to round up evil. And, and what? What does it say? If you let any of it stay, it takes your life, okay? You know that anything contrary to God steals the life of Jesus, and that's your responsibility. I'm going to read here in um, John 6, 37. This must be important. This part was supposed to be real quick, but apparently we're doing this. 
Here it says, all that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Now listen, it says, this is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. We're talking about resurrection life, right? Resurrection wins. And in this, the will of him who sent me, that everyone, listen to this now, you have to catch this, everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I'll raise him up at the last day. Now, just for now, I want you to note that, that what the word of God just said there is everyone who sees me. Okay, that's going to become really critical, who sees me. Into your hands I commit my spirit. You got to be careful. He'll trick you. He'll trick you into stuff because he loves you that much. <laughs> and the next thing you're like, oh, what am I thinking? <laughs> I'm not sure. You invite me into your death. Why? Why does he invite us into his death? Because he wants to give you a resurrection life. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. He's crazy about you. Do you know he's crazy about you? Okay. All right, hopefully this isn't a total shift. I just knew I was supposed to do that. In fact, let me just pray for a minute. Father, we ask for your spirit. We ask that this would not be a time of um, a bunch of words, but that um, on this morning that we're celebrating your resurrection, we ask that this would be a morning where we don't just talk about your resurrection, but we are asking you to release resurrection power into our lives, into family members, extended, into friends, into things we've been praying about. We're asking that this would be a morning of miracle where we, um, where we see you, where we release what you bought with your blood, that resurrection power would win so that we see you in the name of Jesus. That feels like we're starting over. <laughs> All right. Okay, um, go with me to John chapter 1 and verse 26. Oddly, we're going to talk a little bit about John the Baptist this morning. In fact, we're going to trace his story a little bit. And, um, and what God's shown me this week as I pre prepared for this morning um, is that uh, in the story of John is an incredible revelation of, um, of Jesus' compassion for what we deal with and what he's done about it. Okay, so just um, start reading with me. Um, verse 26, John answered them saying, let's talk about John the Baptist. I baptize with water, but there stands one among you whom you do not know. It is he who, coming after me, is preferred before me, whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to loose. These things were done in Bethabara, beyond the Jordan, where John was baptizing. I go on, verse 29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who's preferred before me, for he was before me. I did not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel, therefore I came baptizing with water. He goes on, actually I'm just going to keep reading, verse 32, and John bore witness saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove. And he remained upon him. Store that. Jesus, the spirit comes upon him like a dove and remains upon him. I want you to notice, John is seeing the Christ. Do you see that? Okay. And it goes on, upon whom you see the spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and testified that this is the son of God. Okay. Now, let's just talk for a minute. I want you to notice that in this moment, in this moment in John's life, he has no doubts about Jesus or the identity of Jesus, does he? He's speaking prophetically. In fact, 
In fact, he's, he's getting revelation from heaven that you could only get from heaven about the identity of Jesus. You see that? And he has such great assurance that he is publicly declaring it. He's saying, there he is. There's the Christ. Okay? That's this moment in his life. Absolutely no doubt. Now go with me to Luke chapter 7, and we're going to move to a point in John's life, um, to a later point in his life. Now listen, how many of you have had um, seasons of your life, um, mountaintop times, you're walking with the Lord and, and everything's great, you have great assurance, you have no doubt about the identity of Jesus whatsoever. And now track with me. When I say the identity of Jesus, I don't mean, I don't mean to suggest that um, you would even doubt that, that, who, that he is Jesus, that he is the Christ. What I mean is the truth about his identity, the truth about who he is actually in your life. Does that make sense? The doubt, having doubt about whether resurrection, um, sorry, whether resurrection power won or not. Does that make sense? Okay, John's circumstances have shifted here and he's now in prison where we're about to read, okay? Um, we're gonna find out he doesn't have the same assurance and we're gonna take a look at it. We're gonna take a look at why. Because how many of you have also had seasons in your life where, man, you start to hit, you start to hit a new kind of low, and it's not that you've disowned Jesus. I'm not talking about anything about that. I'm just saying you're not necessarily in touch with the truth that resurrection wins. <laughs> are, you, are you tracking? Have you had those times? Just me. There's three other people who've had hard times like me. That's good. <laughs> okay, um, Luke 7 and verse 11. It says, Now it happened the day after that he, this, this he is Jesus, that Jesus went into a city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him, and a large crowd. And when he came near the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was being carried out the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from that city was with her. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, Do not weep. Then he came and touched the open coffin, and those who carried him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. So he who was dead sat up and began to speak, and he presented him to his mother. Now listen to me, we're just introducing. I, you'll notice we didn't read about John the Baptist. That's just next. But I want to tell you something about Jesus, okay? Um, and I have to say this first. Do you notice that he's moved with compassion? And this story is about resurrection power, okay? Resurrection life. And he is moved with compassion. But now, listen, I also want to tell you that Jesus is often if not always, but we'll go with often, very deliberate about timing in terms of often the activity that he's doing in their lives. And so I want to say, what I'm saying is the activity that he does in your lives, I'm talking about resurrection power where, where he's actually acting and you see him. That activity is often, <laughs> this is going to sound funny, but merely the setting of the scene. Does that make sense? He does, he's very deliberate about when and how and the order that he does things in our lives. Why? Because he's taking you somewhere, right? He's growing you, he, you're becoming in, the in resurrection power, right? Okay, so I want to tell you that's what's going on here. And really, we read this because I want you to know as we go and read into John the Baptist's story just next, that the context, the word of God sets, and actually Jesus' actions set, is a story about resurrection power. And I'm not talking about something we're waiting for, like when he comes back the next time and sets all things perfectly, right? I'm talking about resurrection power. Do you know the day that he rose from, from the dead, the day that he was raised, tombs started splitting open and people started rising and walking around the city. 
That had to be weird. I'm just saying that had to be really weird. But that happened. Okay, we're not waiting for resurrection power. We are waiting for the perfection of all things. And that's an active waiting. Another message for another day. But we're not waiting for the glory of God to break out. God might be waiting on you to start getting the glory of God to break out. But we're not. He accomplished. He said it's finished. Amen. Okay, so that's, that's our context. Now let's look at our buddy John. Okay, in verse 16, did I skip too far? Nope, that's it. It says, Then fear came upon all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen up among us, and God has visited his people. And this report about him went throughout all Judea and all the surrounding region. So notice that the result of, and, and I promise we really are getting to John. I'm not just saying that. Um, but you notice that fear is what it inspires. Why is that? <laughs> I love that. She's got it in one hand motion. <laughs> it's not of this world. Let me tell you something. When We're going to look at this in multiple ways before we're done this morning. But do you know that... Um, when God's love breaks out, it's, it's often very disturbing. <laughs> it's usually not the way we expected it, okay? Okay, here's John. Here's John. He's in prison now, and it says, Then the disciples of John reported to him, reported to John, um, all these things. And John, calling two of dis his disciples to him, sent them to Jesus, saying, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? That's the question he has for Jesus. Now, just stop and notice, you know, this is the same guy. This is the guy who had such great assurance that he's publicly declaring the Christ. And now his circumstances has, have changed, and he's sending messengers for him to go ask, are you really the one, or should we start looking for another? Now, go with me, verse 20. It says, when the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, are you the coming one, or do we look for another? And that, listen to what Jesus is up to. You just have to love this. And that very hour, he cured many of infirmities, afflictions, and evil spirits, and to many blind, he gave sight. In other words, what? He's out <laughs> manifesting the kingdom bringing resurrection power, making an open heaven. You know, when he rose, well, uh, when, when he um, breathed his last, last breath, the curtain to the Holy of Holies was ripped from top to bottom. In Isaiah 64, it talks about there's the cry of the heart to rip or rend open heaven so that there's an open heaven, so that the will of heaven, the power, the resurrection power, life-giving power of heaven would would be able to come out and come down and God's will would be done. Okay, now we have to look at Jesus' answer and we're going to talk about this. Verse 22. Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things you've seen and heard that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel preached to them and blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Now think about this. They came asking, are you the one? And Jesus could have, you know, why didn't Jesus just go, well, go back and tell him I am. <laughs> you know, tell him, peace be with you. I know you're in a hard time. That's not what he does. Why, why does he answer this way? He says, go tell him what you see and hear. I'm going to tell you something. I believe, and I'm going to show you, I'm actually going to prove it in a minute. I believe it's absolutely critical that we as the body of Christ, we as the children of God, see and hear the goodness of God acting. It is absolutely critical that we are a people who see resurrection power in action in our lives. Do you believe that? Has anybody been through a long season where you, where you see 
you don't see that resurrection power. You know that discouragement you begin to feel. So what's he do? He sins and he says, tell him that you see the manifestation of the kingdom happening. And that's his answer. Go to John 4 and 46. And while you're turning there, do you know what biblical remembering is? Like we, we have remembering in our culture. Um, but do you know anytime the Bible talks about remembering, do you know what that means? It means living according to what you know. Did you know that? It's one thing to be like, oh yeah, I remember that happening. But real remembering, you know where he says, pile up these stones, I've done this mighty thing this day. Real remembering means you believe, you think, you act, you make decisions according to what you know to be true. That's remembering God. John's having a hard time remembering. Has anybody ever had a hard time remembering? So it's important, it's critical in our lives that resurrection power is not something reserved for Easter. It's not something we're waiting for. Jesus is coming back and it's going to be really cool. Well, I mean, that is going to be really cool. I'm just saying it's, it's for today, it's for tomorrow. And I'm telling you, as, as a church, we will, begin, we will begin to die out. We'll suffer, we'll be sick, we'll be discouraged if we're not positioning ourselves to see the resurrection power that Jesus already bought. Forgot where I'm at. <laughs> Did I say to go to John 4? Okay, John four forty six. Um, I'm going to show you this. Um, it says, So Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee, where he'd made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman. So actually, hold on a second. I'm going too quick. This is the place where he made the water wine. I bet that the guy you're about to read about next remembers that. In fact, it's, it's impacting his actions. Is it not? I mean, he's, maybe I didn't read enough yet that you know, but he's got a sick son. And so um, there's all kinds of things you could do about that. But what he's doing is he's, he's racing off to Jesus to a place where he thinks he can get help. Why? He's doing biblical remembering. He's saying, I know the resurrection power. I've seen Jesus. I've seen the power of God break out. If, if there's any hope for my son, I know where to go for it. That's biblical remembering. goes and says there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum and when he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son for he was at the point of death. Now I'm going to keep reading but listen this is one of those um, you've had situations in your life where it's, it's like good is dead. It's at that point I mean it's not totally dead yet but if you, if you pay attention to the words in this story this is a situation that's, I mean, it's where you're going, he's dead, or it's dead. Marriage is dead. It's good as dead. We're hanging on to like a shred, but you're like, it's good as dead. Okay, that's what this is. He's desperate. In verse 48, then Jesus said to him, now listen, unless you see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. The nobleman said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies, with an exclamation point. He pretty much ignores what Jesus says, and he's just he's in that place of desperation where he says, Just come and heal my son. And Jesus said to him, Go your way, your son lives. It's resurrection power. It was good as dead. Jesus changed it. He brings it from death to life. He rounds up darkness and eradicates it. Okay, but now listen to me. So many times, what did Jesus say? He said, unless you see signs and wonders, you'll by no means believe. Now listen, I think we usually read that like a rebuke. Like Jesus is going, oh, unless you, unless you see me show off, you're not going to believe or something like that, right? I believe I've had a revelation on this and I, I just ask you to consider this with me. What if Jesus is merely stating the truth about reality? Yeah. 
What if he actually knows you better than you do and he knows what you need? Is it possible he's just saying that he knows what you need? Is it possible that it's not a rebuke, but it's actually compassion? I mean, look at the result in the story. He heals the man's son. He does it for him. And just before he does it for him, he says, unless you see me in power, in what I'm, he hasn't done it yet, but you know, he's already operating. He's outside of time. He's already operating in the victory that he's going to pay for with his blood, right? And he, I believe he's just stating the facts. In fact, in fact, I need to say this, and I know this is one thing. This is just obedience, okay? There's, a, there's at least one or there's some here this morning that I believe God's told me that you've struggled for a long time in your life to believe because you haven't seen that goodness of God, that resurrection power for, for you or for others that you care about. And first of all, I just want to apologize on behalf of the church. I feel like God's asked me to do it. He's, he's tasked us. He has granted his spirit upon his church. And I don't mean just this one. I'm, I'm all for repenting on behalf of this one. But I just mean the church. And I just want to say that I'm sorry that we have not made it so that you're seeing the greatness of God. And I just want to tell you this morning that it's not on God. Okay? And I want you to know this morning, whoever you are, that he is not full of rebuke for you. He's got compassion. He actually knows that you need to see. And I want to encourage you with one more thing, whoever you are, wherever you're at. I actually want to support you in what you're doing. <laughs> Go ahead and wait until he shows himself to you. It's okay. You can wait until he shows himself to you. If he's doing it right now, we're going to give you an opportunity to give your life to him this morning. But if it's not this morning, if you're the kind of person that you're just saying, I'm, I need to see God to believe, he has no lack of compassion for that. He made you. He knows you. He's, he loves you. He's crazy about you. And he has no lack of compassion for what you need to believe. Okay? Okay. Okay, go on to, um, actually, go to verse 28. Same chapter. Where are we at? Luke 7. Verse 28. I'm going to do this quickly and then I have to say something else before we invite the Holy Spirit to do what he wants. <laughs> Verse 28, so Jesus begins speaking about John. He starts talking about his friend John. You know you're his friend? <laughs> okay, he's talking about his friend John. He says, for I say to you, among those born of women, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. But he who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. Now we've talked about this a few times here, but we're going to do it again this morning just because I want to. <laughs> do you know what he's saying? Do you know why he says that? You see, John is the prophet who, who right there at the shift, you know, God, we say this all the time, God does not change. But he does, he does change the way he's doing things, doesn't he? Okay? Covenants do change. And the progression of the revelation of himself changes things, but he does not change. But just at that shift, John is the one who prophesies that Man, it is about to change. And what's about to change? In the past, the Spirit comes upon a few for certain things. Now, what's about to change? Jesus has finished the work that he has a body, a, a temple, a living temple for the dwelling of his Spirit so that his will would be done through you, so that resurrection power is now available through you. Raise your hand if you struggled hearing that. I'm kidding, don't do that. 
Father, I pray for anyone who struggled to hear that. And I ask that this morning there would be a revelation that they are the dwelling place of your resurrection power because you love them and you only have good ideas in the name of Jesus. But see, look, it says, the least that are filled with the same spirit that rose him from the dead are greater than the greatest prophet before that time. That's you. Raise your hand if that's you. <laughs> all right. Okay, all right. Now, this is so good. Um, I think this is good. Um, go to John um, chapter 20. I just want to pray for just a second so that I don't, so that I'm doing what he wants. Okay. Now, we actually made it to um, the resurrection. <laughs> I told you we would. Did I tell you we would? Okay. <clears throat> Verse 19 here. Okay, now listen. I have to set the scene here. Um, so, Jesus has been put to death. He rounded up evil, all evil, none of it escaped when he hung on that cross. And he took all of it to hell for you, okay? And then resurrection power comes. But now listen, um, do you know that what's true in the spirit <laughs> is not necessarily true for you yet? This is, do you know what I'm saying? Do you know what I'm talking about? It's the finished work of Jesus is finished, but who besides me is working on living <laughs> in the truth of what Jesus has accomplished so that the Spirit of God is totally free in our life? You know, you hear people say, I, want, I need more of the Spirit, right? We just need more of the Spirit. And that's, that's fine. Keep saying it. It's a wonderful prayer. I'm just saying, I think what's really true is um, you, you already have all of the Spirit. You don't need more of the Spirit. What you need more of is more of you surrendered to the Spirit. Amen? Okay, there's no such thing as getting more of the Spirit. You got that part? Okay. Come on, man. All right. We need more of ourselves surrendered to him so he's completely free to, to be the identity. Amen? Okay. I'm not sure why I did that. Um, <laughs> really, what I want to tell you about is set the scene about these guys. Their, their teacher just died. The Christ was just put to death and, and they, they don't have evidence of this yet. It's already true, <laughs> but it's not really true for them. What are they doing? They're locked in a room. They've barricaded themselves in a room. They're terrified. They're absolutely, completely a mess. Anybody a mess right now? Oh, I saw a couple of hands. If you're a mess right now, we're going to pray for you before the day's over and I'm serious about that. That's always been part of the plan. We're going to bring resurrection power to it. They're a mess. Okay, and here's what happens. Verse 19. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, that's fancy for they've barricaded themselves in because they're a mess, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. Now, first of all, I hope you can see the humor in that. They're barricaded in a room. The place is completely barricaded and locked up, and all of a sudden, Jesus is standing in the midst of them saying, peace to you. So I'm assuming the part that they didn't record because it was embarrassing is like after they cleaned out their drawers, <laughs> they moved on in the conversation with Jesus. Like, do you... Do you knock, man? Like, we're, we're already freaking out. You got to admit, I mean, have you ever put yourself in their shoes? That had to be crazy. They're already freaking out. And as the story goes on, they don't recognize him right away. Just all of a sudden, there's a stranger standing there. <laughs> it's important to put yourself in those stories. Do you know that? You can leave it on, like, the pages of the Bible, but if you're going to... Okay. I'm going to read the Luke version of that. 
Um, Luke, uh, if you're a note taker, Luke 24, 36, it says, now, as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, peace to you. And they were terrified and frightened and supposed they'd seen a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled? You have to love this guy. What are you troubled for? But now I want to tell you something, and um, I'm going to get real serious here now because I believe there's, a, there's an Easter gift here. There's a Resurrection Sunday gift that he wants to give you. Now listen, I hope that you're thinking, he says peace to you. What are we talking about? He's not saying don't be scared. I mean, maybe he's partly saying that. He means literally peace to you. What is biblical peace? What Jesus accomplished is peace with God. Okay, when Noah was on the ark and he was finding a place for, for God to settle in his people, he sent out a dove and the dove came back. Okay, and then he sent it out again and it was only when the dove, like, like Jesus' baptism, it was only when the dove went out and found a suitable place and remained that they knew that they were ready to move on to the next thing. Right? When he sends out the 12, what does he say? He says, he says, go out, go to a household and say, um, and, and offer them your peace. And if they receive it, let it remain. If they don't, let it come back to you, right? Now look, here's in this story, they're freaking out. And then he shows up in the room with them and says, peace to you. Now look at verse 20. It says, when he'd said this, um, did I skip too far? No, that's right. He says, when he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad they saw the Lord. <laughs> Are you catching it? So in other words, at first they weren't so glad when, when he did the appear there and they think he's a spirit. It doesn't bring a whole bunch of gladness, does it? In fact, the way the story goes, they really couldn't even receive the peace. Now, I want to give you one insight here before I move on to the real thing. Church, do you know that needing God to be safe, predictable, (laughs) and the way we expect him is a hindrance, is always going to be a hindrance to him being able to grant the peace, the authority, the resurrection power? He's rarely going to come exactly like you expected or hoped or wanted him to. Okay? The next thing I want you to notice is, actually, let's read the Luke version. Um, Luke uh, 24, second half of 38, goes, And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself handle me, and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. I'm going to tell you something. <laughs> Jesus wants to have, he's eager to have real encounter with you. Because he's compassionate. He loves you. He made you. He understands you. He's compassionate about your need to see and hear and handle him. It's all over the scripture. I know it's probably not what's been taught to you most of your life. I'm just telling you the scriptures are totally clear that he is compassionate about your need to have real relational encounter with him. Now I also want you to notice that the evidence in this is his marks. The marks of completed assignment. We don't get any sense that they have any detriment on him at all. In fact, he's obviously in a glorified body, okay? A dude who can show up in the room with you that's all barricaded and locked, that's a glorified body. You know, for all of you who've put your faith in Jesus, um, you have a glorified body coming. Can anybody be thankful for that one? Resurrection power, (laughs) I'll take a new body. And I have a feeling you're getting glimpses of what your glorified body is like here. But I want you to notice something. In the glorified body, he's got the marks. And not only that, these marks are what brings them to faith. The the marks of completed assignment, the marks of evil taking a toll and being overcome is what releases belief 
so that we see and hear him so that we can believe. Does that make sense? How many of you, go ahead and raise your hand. This time. How many of you are going through a hard time right now? Like that's going to leave a mark kind of times. Okay, Jesus invites you into his death. I want you to know something this morning. He's compassionate for where you're at. He's making things in you and on you that are going to make glory. Anything dedicated to him is going to make for the kind of glory that releases resurrection power for yourself and others in the future. Do you believe that? It was precisely his marks that brought faith in what he was going to do. Let's go to verse 21. It says, so Jesus said to them again, peace to you. You see, it's just like Noah. He did it twice. The patience of God. <laughs> the patience of God. He's, the first time they couldn't receive it. And then the evidence of completed assignment, the evidence of having been, been tortured, put to death, going to hell, when he shows them that is what brings about the, the glory of the recognition of his identity. So that resurrection power is released. This time he says, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And I'm just going to kind of end with this. Um, notice that this is their commissioning. <laughs> this is their commissioning to be carriers of resurrection power. And this is how, this is how it happens. <laughs> it's going to come in ways that we don't expect. <laughs> but he has a call for the, for the Spirit, to, for his glory to be in you in such a way that you carry the resurrection power. It's not something that, uh, oh man, that's going to be a great day. And I'm all good for that. That is going to be a great day. I am so looking forward to all of the physical being under the subjection of Jesus Christ. Anybody else? I cannot wait. <laughs> in the meantime, he's commissioned people to be carriers of the resurrection power and make a difference. People who see and hear him so that you can, you can take the authority of heaven and make a difference for your sons and your daughters and your neighbors and where, wherever you go. Do you know that wherever you go, the kingdom of God is there? Okay, I figure I get to like, like four or five times I get to say this is what I'm going to close with and I'm still doing okay. I just have one more thing. I just want you to be clear. I want you to notice something. What are they doubting when they're in this room? Are they doubting that, that, Jesus, the, that Jesus exists or even that he is who he says he is? They're specifically doubting Resurrection, that resurrection won. Do you see that? Now, I know that even when, listen to me, even when we're in hard times, um, we, generally speaking, <laughs> uh, we don't get to the point that we think, we think, oh, I knew it. Jesus wasn't the one. Do you hear what I'm saying? But do we get to points in our life where we're doubting that resurrection power wins? right now unless we're seeing him participating hearing him you see what was John's problem he was in prison he wasn't out there participating too long had gone by and we have that happen in our life <laughs> okay okay we're just gonna um I believe that we're not supposed to just talk about it this morning. The more I prayed about it, I believe we're supposed to release some resurrection power over some things, okay? So first of all, I'm going to do this quickly. Um, is there anyone in here, and we don't do this all the time here in this church. We just kind of assume God draws, and, or I do. Is there anybody in here that in the course of what we've talked about this morning, you're like, you're like, man, I need in on that. 
I just, I don't want to go another day without having absolute assurance that I am the place of the Spirit and Jesus died for me. And you want to give your life. You've already given your life. You want prayer for filling of the Spirit. Yeah, surrender. More More surrender. Okay, all right. Um, Those of you that I... um, would you, would you pray with him? And I'm going to have you go right back, right back out here, okay? Because we're going to keep releasing all kinds of things as we go. You're just the first fruits. <laughs> awesome. I love that man's boldness. Always have. Okay. Now, how many of you, and, and I've kind of prayed over, I've kind of prayed over, Lord, what do you want to do? What do you want to release resurrection power over? How many of you have had a situation that you've been praying for for a while? Maybe years or maybe months was long enough for it to feel like a while. But it's for yourself. It's for one of your kids. It's for an extended family member. But it's getting to where it's like it's good as dead. It's like, man, it is right there on the verge. It's good as dead. And you've been praying. You've been praying. Okay. Um, If you just raise your hands. I saw several hands. Just stand up, okay? We're just going to pray. We're going to release. Do you believe that he wants us to release resurrection power over these situations? Okay. Last chance. There's somebody who's not being bold. You've been praying for something and there's a situation that's beginning to feel hopeless. Okay, thank you. I see you. Awesome. Okay. Let's just pray. You know what we're going to do? I'm going to pray for, I'm going to kind of open and pray first, but then I'm just going to fall silent for a minute for you to start declaring the life of Jesus over it. If you want, however he moves you, however you want. Okay? And we're going to move on to something else. Okay? We thank you, Jesus. We praise you that you are the one who took darkness, you rounded it up, and you let none escape, and you took it all to hell. And we are asking for the reality of that in our lives this morning. And Lord, we specifically lift up to you these circumstances, these folks who've stood, and we just declare that hopelessness dies today. It goes to hell. And we bind in the name, in the authority of Jesus, in the strong name of Jesus, we just bind the enemy's ability to keep his hands on these situations. We ask Holy Spirit, that you would release resurrection power, that you're bringing dark things to light, that things that are good as dead are being raised to life. Thank you, Lord. We just declare life over Cripple Creek. We claim it for the name of Jesus. We bind the enemy in the authority of the throne. We know that when you rose, you went and sat down at the seat of authority. And we release that authority over Cripple Creek in the name of Jesus.
Thank you, Lord. We, we bind the enemy in the name of Jesus. You'll touch it no more. You're going to get out of the way for the Holy Spirit of God. In the name of Jesus, we are releasing the authority of the kingdom over that situation and we just declare the resurrection power that you bought with your blood. We're declaring life over it in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We just speak life over every one of them. In the name of Jesus, the, the, the resurrection life of Jesus is now coming over. We're declaring in faith, Lord, we are expecting that you are going to give us things to see so that even our own faith is being brought to where it's supposed to be. We ask you, Jesus, to create testimonies of your greatness. Father, would some of you just reach over and put place hands on them right now while we pray? Father God, I thank you for the humility and the strength of this young man. I thank you for who you've made him to be. And we just, we just take authority over the spirits that are creating doubt. And Lord, we ask that um, marks that are being created, the marks of hardship that you've invited us into, that um, I, I declare in the name of Jesus that these marks are going to be the place of God's glory, that these are going to be the testimonies that you share. These are going to be the things that you're going to share with people where you're going to tell them that this is where the resurrection of power, power of Jesus overcame it. These are going to be specifically the places of glory in the name of Jesus. We just pray the resurrection power of Jesus over all that's going on in each of their hearts individually, Lord, that in the, in the days to come, in the weeks to come, that you will be revealing yourself. They will be seeing you in the name of Jesus, Lord. I'm asking for closeness of your presence. I know that you're eager and I'm asking you to remove all the barriers that are keeping them from coming right on into your presence. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. you Jesus we know that you have compassion for her need to see you and have encounter with you and we just we just cry out with them we join them in this prayer this morning in the authority of heaven and and we declare the removal of barriers that are keeping her from seeing you we ask that there would be a release of life in her life in the name of Jesus. Um, we stubbornly reach out for it. And we're saying, Lord, um, you paid the price and we're not willing not to have the life of what you paid for be lavishly and, and extravagantly poured out on her in the name of Jesus.
Okay, I've got one more prayer on my heart, and I think this might be for a lot of us. It was inspired by the beauty in these guys over here. Okay, but um, if you are here this morning and you know that you have marks, you've been wound, you've been hurt, and you know that it's still having an impact because you walk with Jesus and you've been hurt for it. Perhaps you've been in churches where you got hurt for the, the strength of your faith or the execution of your gift. It may have even happened here in this church, okay? Um, I believe that he wants to turn those marks. He wants to turn that pain to, to glory, to evidence of how he overcomes. Does anybody believe that with me? Okay, if that's you, just, just you know what, just open your hands like this. Just go palms up because you're about to receive a healing. I believe I believe he wants to heal your heart and he wants to turn it to glory. He doesn't want to make it go away. <laughs> he wants it to be a testimony of how he overcomes, okay? And so in the, in the authority of your resurrection, Jesus, we just ask that you release your resurrection life over these hurt places. In the name of Jesus, we're asking for healing of hearts in such a way that great testimonies are made, that, that the most trampled on places in people are the very places that you're going to release glory, where they're going to see you so that they can have faith. Thank you, Jesus. And Father, I just I pray over everyone's time um, this, this Resurrection Sunday with family over the meals, the conversations, I ask that you would fill it with your spirit and that they would be sweet times of fellowship in you, life-changing moments. I'm, I'm just praying that words of life would be in every conversation. In the name of Jesus, amen.